We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast as we're heading to the 21-22 season. Uh, I thought we'd do a, a podcast with Mark Corby and Norman Riley about is this the worst it's ever been as a Newcastle United supporter in pre-season? Uh, or maybe you could extend it to beyond pre-season and some of you might be listening to that thing and how oh, we've just finished in the the mighty 12th, the achievement. That wasn't an achievement, but it was an achievement. We've got players like Alan St. Maximan, Callum Wilson, Miguel Almiron, Jamal Lascelles, Martin Dubravka, superstars in the team. And we're going into this season not one of the favourites for relegation. However, by comparing and contrasting to, well pretty much the uh, the mid-80s. We're going to have a talk through how fans have felt before the bad seasons, before the good seasons, and uh, and try and come to some sort of conclusion between where Norman, I'm going to kick off with you first, mate. Is this the worst you've ever felt as a Newcastle fan heading into a new season? It, it depends how you define worst, right? Um, it's the most apathetic I've probably felt going into a season in the sense that I don't have any hopes for what we might achieve. There's a palpable lack of enthusiasm because I don't think that there's any ambition there. So is it the worst I've felt as a fan? Probably the worst I've felt or, or, you know, the most apathetic I've felt because the club on many levels is absolutely dead and there's no goal, right? There isn't a goal other than just stay in the Premier League and there have been very few seasons where I've felt like that, where it's really hit home. Like, you know, you could argue that actually most of the seasons on Ashley, that's what it's been like. But I think it's only now, after two seasons of, of Steve Bruce, and, and after, look, and I'll bring it up, after losing Rafa Benitez, who almost, re, you know, he, he sort of reignited the, the the passion that I had for the club, the the kind of hope. Again, he, he, gave, he gave me a lot of hope that I hadn't had for a long time as a fan. And then to replace him with Steve Bruce. And look, Steve Bruce has got the team to finish 13th and 12th. But the reality is, appointing Steve Bruce as your manager when you're in the Premier League is not a sign of ambition. It's a sign of a complete not a lack of ambition and wanting to do nothing other than the bare minimum to stay in the division. So I, if, to me, it feels like one of the worst times for me as a fan pre-season because the club has no desire to do anything other than just maintain itself in the Premier League through playing utterly turgid football under a manager who can never take with beyond 10th in the league, in my opinion. Well said, I'll bring Mark in before we get into what Norman's had to say. Mark, same question to you, mate. I think um, it's, it's weird. I feel a little bit 
different to Norman because I'm really excited about going back to the match, um, <laughs> which is ironic because we're going back to watch a manager who I've never rated, never wanted at the club, and I still don't rate despite um, the end of season form. Um, if you had have asked us this question and we hadn't, hadn't have been you know, unable to go to the games over the last 18 months or so, and I had to actually pay out my own pocket because your ticket's paid for. You know, the, 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 the season ticket was paid for last season, shall we say. So I haven't spent a penny on your Cassie United, shall we say, since uh, February. So perhaps if I had that decision to make where I was still going to be paying instead of already paid, then it may have, I may have felt a little bit different because then I would have had a serious de- decision to make. And quite honestly, um, if we are in the same position come January, then that's probably going to be it for me. Um, you know, we've still got the, the takeover noise still just trundled along in the background. But in my own opinion, and this is, again, this is my only, only take on it, I believe the takeover hasn't been happening for probably since last Christmas in my in my own head. Steve Bruce has been very fortunate for me that um, the takeover has distracted a lot of supporters and the fact that we haven't been able to go to the games has saved him from basically getting sacked. Um, um, as I say, I'm looking forward to going back to see my mates. So the likes of yourselves, have a good drink, going back to some cracking bars in Newcastle. Um, I just hope come uh, 20 minutes into the West Ham game that we're not uh, sick of the sick of the game already. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some good points. Some good points made there. I think. I mean, just to give you my own opinion, I have never felt more apathetic. Uh, I think the fact that the club uh, returns back. Um, after what 18 months nearly was the first to march against Burnley 2020 seems a long time ago now that doesn't it that there was a full house at St James's and there are currently something like 12,000 spare tickets available Um, and then on top of that you know some people might make the argument oh well hang on there's still including West Ham's 3,000 40,000 people going to be there but like you correctly say Mark half of those 40,000 people are on long-term ticket deals like myself. And 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 listen, I don't think cheap football is a bad thing. But what is a bad thing is that my mate who sits next to me at the match pays £650 to watch the same thing, and I'm paying £450. How many of those 20,000, 18, 20,000 on long-term deals would be paying the 650 Because I'm not convinced it would be that many. So you're talking about 25 crowds of 25, 30,000 people willing to pay full whack, and it is expensive. If there isn't a bigger sign of the times than that, then I don't know what is. But um, so I'll come to you, Mark. Then uh, first, you've been going to the match since. Or uh, you can tell the listeners about when you've been going to the match since. Compared to previous tough times, you've just talked about meeting your friends, going for a drink, going back to the match. Was that the same in previous tough times? I mean, I, I think I think you're a good person to come to because you do run a lot of nostalgia stuff. Not just yourself and the excellent video you put out on YouTube recently, which everyone should check out. In fact, I'll put a link in the description of this podcast uh, showing the best of the Newcastle fans. But um, also because people you know uh, have come to your page to share nostalgia things. I- I'm really struggling to see what nostalgia <laughs> we're going to be getting um, in 20, 25 years' time from from the season we've just had, the nineteen twenty season or the season coming up. You know, How do you see it, mate, uh, compared to previous tough times? Well, if if we'd, you've mentioned the page there and, um, you know, the, the nostalgia page I started on Facebook, that was on the back of being so disillusioned with the football club back in uh, 20, 2009 uh, after the relegation. 
And it's 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 amazing to think that you know twelve years later it's still going strong and people are still on there just to reminisce. And um, it's, it's esen- essentially, you know, when I think back to when I first started going in the late eighties, there always seemed to be a little bit turmoil amongst the supporters because of the board. It was always directed at the board, you know, selling the star players. When you think of Waddle in eighty five, uh, Biaz in eighty seven, and uh, Gascoigne in eighty eight, there was always, you know, the the, the board were shattering supporters' dreams, really, by selling the, the, the key assets. And uh, when I go back to when I first started going, um, every start of the season, you, the fans were that pissed off that it was no surprise that for three years in a row, 86, 87, 88, there was just sack the board chance for the first few months of the season. Um, but when I think back, because obviously I was a lot younger then, but when I think back, there were... A key point in my, I'm, I'm jumping a little bit here, but a key summer for me where I was that annoyed where I actually did something about it, it would have been when we appointed Sam Allardyce. Um, that was the first time I just thought I can't go to watch Newcastle managed by a Sam Allardyce uh, you know, manager. And um, I gave up my season ticket, which was unheard of. Um, I just thought, not going to bother. And then we went and beat Bolton the first game, 3-1. We played them off the park. Fantastic all-out attack and football. And I demanded me, me seat back and I ended up getting it with my loyalty points. I was very fortunate then. But that's the only time I've I've done something about it. Uh, Norman touched before about uh, you know losing Rafa. There was a huge if Rafa goes, we go movement. I was saying to all my mates, I'm up for this. Like, let's, let's do it. None of them did. So I thought, I'm not going to miss out. What happens if Steve Bruce is going to win that trophy? You, you, you're frightened of letting go. You really are frightened of letting go. And um, I suppose when I think of my 30, 35 years supporting Newcastle, the only time I've done something about it was that at Allardyce era. But to be fair, there's probably other summers which we'll, we'll come to where there's been different impacts to make you just feel really pissed off with the club or really just not excited about going back to games. Spot on, Mark. It's interesting you mentioned Allardyce there because for me, I think the loss of Robson and the way that the whole Robson situation was handled and then bringing in Graeme Souness, the appointment of Graeme Souness, to say this wasn't a pre-season, but the appointment of him for me was a like a real lower moment because Souness wasn't only a terrible manager, but he was incredibly unlikable. And Robson to Souness, you're going to from someone who, when you would see him interviewed on TV, and I know this sounds a bit... Misty-eyed and cliched, but Robson, much like Benitez, much like Keegan, and much like Hutton to a certain extent, when I when I would see these people interviewed on telly, I'd feel proud that they were the manager of the club, my club. They, they, were, they were articulate, intelligent people who, who seemed to genuinely came, want, want the best. And going from that to Souness, who, you know, if, if Souness was an ice cream, he'd lick himself, right? I mean, that's the truth. He was all about himself. And also he was a... A terrible manager, and that was a real low point for me. And Rhoda, I thought that we've spoken about him, Alex, obviously on podcast. He did a, he did a great job in testing circumstances, in my opinion. And I and I actually thought the appointment of Allardyce was quite intelligent, given where the club was financially at that point in time. It was quite obvious that there were real issues. And Allardyce coming in after having taken Bolton in Europe the season before, and my logic was, well, look, he might have a little bit more money to play with at Newcastle. Maybe he's just playing this style of football of Bolton because he's operating with the tools that he's got, right? And you might see him evolve. Obviously, you know, it turns out he's still playing the same style of football 20 years later on his England manager or whatever it is. But um, I wasn't too down at that point. In fact, I was probably quite excited, which is an incredible thing to say. But I think the difference for me is 
is that having left the area when I was 18, it's easy for me to turn and say, well, just give it up. It's a piece of cake for me because ultimately every time I go into a match, it's an effort, read it's an effort, especially up the road. If I come back yeah, for a match, it's a big effort. So I've got that hanging there. And if I'm not happy with things, I can quite easily, and you know what, I'm not going to spend 200 quid this weekend. Whereas if I'm back in the city, living there, when that's what we made today, giving it up is, is a really, really hard thing to do. I mean, Mick will, Mick will say the same thing as Mark. You'll say the same thing yourself. But um, this season in particular, I think even if I was Yem, I would really struggle because, I, look, I'm not digging out Steve Bruce here. I, did, I didn't want to get into a kind of Steve Bruce, you know, um, hate fest here because that's not the, that, that's not what I'm getting at. I think, obviously, I think Bruce, to be perfectly honest with you, given what my expectations of, her, of him were before he came in, he, he surpassed them. He's actually surpassed them, right? But what I'm talking about is a club with a chairman who doesn't want to be there, a chairman who isn't going to invest, a chairman who hasn't invested properly in the club probably since the first summer when Sam Allardyce spent too much money on terrible players and burned, burned Ashley's fingers. It's the fact that Ashley doesn't care and the fact that Bruce is the manager and no other club wanting to harbour ambitions of the top 10 would appoint Steve Bruce's manager. So for me, it's pure apathy. There have been worse spells. I mean, my first match was 1986 Boxing Day. We got beat 4 0 of Everton and that was the second match in an in-game run when we didn't win. Main reduction to Newcastle United was a team in utter collapse. But then Paul Goddard came in and started banging the goals and it was a brilliant end of the season. You start the next season with optimism. We finish eighth, Gascoigne breaks through. 80-89, we sell Gascoigne. But we're bringing John Robertson, Dave Bezant, Andy Thorne, um, John Henry. Op optimism's there again. Even Gandun in the championship under Jim Smith, there was optimism because we brought in good players. I think now, right now, it's just that there isn't even a modicum of optimism. That's the thing. And you're right, there are good players there at the moment. Wilson, Sam Maximan, exciting players. But it's there isn't any optimism there. And I think every single preseason, more or less, apart from the last few and, and other ones under Ashley and Napardu, that optimism's been there. And that's the thing at the minute is I, I don't recall feeling this lure on optimism. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I think, and we'll probably talk about this more when we do the season preview pod next week ahead of the uh, ahead of the West Ham game. But there are, you, I, I still believe you can talk yourself into some sort of positive position. You know, like that match, Mark says he's looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to that match. Um, I'm looking forward to having a drink in town beforehand and possibly after. I'm looking forward to Callum Wilson playing and playing in front of a full crowd at St. James's Park with Alan St. Maximan. And I'm looking forward to Miguel Moron if he's fit. And you just think those three there, if, if they turn up, like, particularly against a team like West Ham, who are well coached, well managed, finished sixth last season, but were beaten twice. Why can't we win that game? But then I think that Anderson Maximan has played 90 minutes 13 times for Newcastle in two years, which is which is not realistically. Why why is that? How has that been allowed to continue to happen? He's never played more than nine games in a row. Callum Wilson's injured in preseason. St. Maximan's injured in preseason. Almiron's not fit. And I'm talking about going and beating West Ham with these three lads who at the minute cannot kick a ball for Newcastle. So this is the problem with the club at the minute. You think Ashley's trying to sell the club. Well, he's not. They're trying to sign players. Well, I think everyone listening to this, and who knows, we might be proved wrong, would, would not be remotely surprised to not see Newcastle make a single signing, even on loan, but a single permanent signing. So what team, by definition, is worse than last season because Joe Willock's not in it. The fact that there's talk of protest once again, which I'm not entirely sure about what, you know, what they're supposed to achieve, what even is supposed to be happening, but it's happening again. The fact that there's going to be 10,000 empty seats again. The fact that even if Newcastle have something you could call a good season, they'd probably finish 13th. I think I think right now, I think if you told me you're going to finish 13th again, I'd think, you know what, I'd take that because I don't want to get relegated. 
So I look and compare that. Even the previous seasons under Ashley, it's never been as bad. Here's, here's an example. The, the most aggressive, negative season I can remember under Ashley was season 11-12 because we'd sold Andy Carroll and, and we bought in Denver Barna free. And going into that season... You know, people people were basically saying we've got Chula Amiobi up front. We've got a nagged lad who did all right for West Ham, but he's got no knee. We brought in Gabriel Obertan, Yuan Kabai, I think Davide sat on. And we, me, we as a fan base, I can't remember it, is angry. And, and only 42,000 turned up at one of the games that season against Fulham at the start. Only 42,000, only 45,000 there for the first game and Arsenal bought 3,000. So a very similar position we find ourselves in now, but we'd still sign a couple of players. We'd still find... A, Sang a lad who'd been playing the two lads who'd been playing in the Champions League, three if you include over talent Man United. Um, I look at season 14 15. Um, you know, we, we went out with we Jose Perez, who was he 1.5 million, but it, it, at least we were signing, at least we signed some players. I think the only season under Ashley we didn't sign a player was um, for money, was uh, 13 14 when we brought in Lower Remy on loan, and, and, and that was pathetic. But we finished, we ended up finishing 10th that season, and I think a little bit. Of what we see now from the club is who 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 think they're like no more than everyone else put together in football. Think oh, we've done it before, been all right. But if you're if you're a young kid now, apart from going back to the match, who are you getting behind Newcastle? And St. Maximan, who's lit, literally came out in June and said he wants to leave if we don't sign any players, <laughs> and we haven't signed any players. Callum Wilson, fair enough, but he's he's got a lot of injury problems. Miguel Almiron played out of position in central midfield. John Joe Shelby, I really struggle to see right now what any Newcastle fan has to be positive about. And, and by the way, the club are supposed to be trying to sell tickets. That's the job they're supposed to want people to come to the match. And I just, I, like, I just kind of, I might come back to it in a bit, but I'll try, I'll, I'll give you the sales pitch, but Mark, you want to come in? I think you've absolutely nailed it, to be fair, Alex, mate. Um, it's quite worrying because you mentioned the players that were sort of hanging our hats on, shall we say, for next season. You know, Willock, well, if we get him, then we've got to hope that he's going to maintain that uh, form from last season. It's not a guarantee. Look at Kennedy, you know what I mean? It's it, it's not a guarantee. Um, if we don't get him, as everyone knows, we're already our best player down, our most consistent player down. St. Maxim, as you say, he was the only player last season who uh, won as many games as he lost. And what I mean by that is, is likes of Lascelles played 20-odd games, but he only he only contributed three three wins. We've got the likes of Lascelles, Darlow, Shelby, Dummett, they were all part of that relegation side back in 2016. You've got Gale, you've got Clark, you've got Richie, you've got Hayden, all signed for promotion. You would still class up three, at least three of them as first-team starters. And then you've got Mankilo and Murphy. Granted, Murphy was the unsung hero, probably the, the most improved player last season. But still, we, we bought these players four years ago. And the, all the players I've mentioned there, that in or around that starting eleven. And as you rightly say, Alex, we're not signing players. I'll be amazed if we do sign anyone. Or, you know... You know, if what is what plan B if we don't get Willock? I'm hearing no players that we're linked with. If they are players, it's it's pie in the sky. Um, but as I say, the, the worrying thing for me is the fact that I think everyone's just expecting that we're going to, you know, maintain that form from the back end of the season. And hey, we could all be proven wrong. Bruce might Bruce might have won them all over. He might have something lined up that's going to shock her again against West Ham. But at the moment. To sort of contradict me, me, me view and looking forward to going to the game, it's a short-term view. I know after eight, nine, ten games, we'll be already sick of the season and we'll be looking over our shoulders regarding relegation. It, and it's sad. It's really sad. Hi. 
I'll, I'll jump in there. I think um, I think what you lads are seeing about looking forward to getting the match against West Ham, 100% with you because it's the social aspect, right? That's what you look forward to. But I'm talking about, I'm talking about even being linked with players. You know, during the summer, one of the exciting parts of the summer as a football fan of a, you know, a club that maybe has ambitions, like let's say a championship club or a Premier League club, a championship club that's trying to, you know, gun for promotion or a Premier League club that wants to finish size up the table as it can. It's the players you're linked with, right? You know, you, and we're, the thing is at the minute, we, we're not even being linked with players. So that, that kind of element of excitement doesn't even come into it. It's not like, oh, you know what? Bruce has got X amount of million to spend. We're being linked with this player, that player, the other player. You haven't even got that. Even if 95% of it is absolute tabloid horse shite, the fact that it's actually happening can still kind of stoke the enthusiasm. That's not even happening at the minute. In fact, we know the reality. Bruce has said he's got 10 million quid and he can bring a couple of loan signings. It's incredibly difficult to get excited. It's not like we've got the squad that, let's say, poof, I don't know, let's say Leeds with Bielsa. If they said, well, I need spending 10 million this summer, you'd think, well, you know what? Actually, we've got Marcelo Bielsa, finished top 10 last season. We've got a decent squad of players. That's all right. I'm, I'm excited. I'm enthusiastic. This is Newcastle United who got a 12th last season. Whereas finishing 12th, it's that kind of false economy, right? We, we know for a fact that we were a bottom five side most that season, right? So a side that more or less was bottom five until the last three games is being told it's got £10 million to spend and a player who scored, what, seven goals or eight goals in 14 games in Willock? We're not even guaranteed to get him. The, the, the player who actually, the player who dragged her from a relegation, from the front of the relegation battle to mid-table. So I can't even get that excitement. Again, though, as I'll, I'll caveat it with, if I was back up the road, if I was with me mates, uh, of course I'd gone to the match. You know, that, that's kind of a muscle, muscle memory kicking in. And I am going to be going to the first two away matches, I think. So, you know, I'm not, it's not like I'm walking away. It's just, as I say, it's, it's easier to go, well, actually, I'm, I'm not going up this weekend because I'm, I'm not excited. Whereas under Benitez, even though I knew that we were going to be in trouble, Reed, I knew we were going to be in trouble because the squad wasn't good enough. I still wanted to go up there and, and, and see the game because I always thought, you know what? I still think we've always got a chance. We've always got a chance. And, and I've probably thought that most seasons, I've always kind of thought at the start of the season, you never know. You never know. We could be all right this season. Um, even in, under the, in the dark days, under so when Jim Smith started the 1991 season after missing out in the, on the, in the playoffs, 89-90, I still thought we'd be all right. And then it started terribly. But then our dealers came in and our dealers had a growing reputation playing football, bringing youngsters. So he did an incredible job at Swindon. So even when the club had no money and we were on the bones, I still had an optimism. And then when it was looking like relegation on our dealers, Keegan came in and then woof, Keegan lifts here. And you could, you know, you could say the same thing about even Rud Hullett. You could say the same thing about Dalgleish. You could say the same thing about Bobby Robson, 100%. Um, it's this this particular moment in time. It is that that enthusiasm, I think, that's been drained out of me since the appointment of Pardew. And look, we all know Pardew had a great season, finishing fifth. Pardew probably did a no okay job given the circumstances. But Alan Pardew, again, was one of those managers who just sucked a little bit of life out of you. But we're at that point now where most of the kind of life has been sucked from me in terms of what I feel this club is capable of achievement under the current regime, both manager and ownership. I'm pleased you raised that point there, mate, about about thinking anything could happen. And, you know, even when Steve McLaren was appointed, right, it was at least Carver's gone. We've bought, we've bought Ginny Wijnaldum. He looks like a decent player. We've brought in this kid from Serbia for 20 million quid. Our lessons learned, all that kind of thing. What What is there now? What is there now? And, and here's what I, what I put to you. If you're Newcastle United, here's what you're offering. For 650 quid a year, minimum, 
for an adult season ticket in the ground. That's not in the family enclosure. So if you're a single bloke, a woman, 650 quid a year, what am I selling you? Well, you'll have 19 home league games, hopefully, if there's no COVID shite. And if there is any COVID stuff, um, we won't refund you your money unless put under serious pressure. Um, we'll probably have about 30 to 35 possession. Most games, maybe less. We'll allow the other team to have 15 to 20 shots on goal. We'll have about five shots on goal um, and we'll ho- hope we'll win. That's, that's literally, that we all know that's the template. There's no, th- this team aren't all of a sudden in pre-season going to change the way that they were, have been under the whole of the time under Bruce. So even when Bruce came in 1920, I'll be recording, I'll be on podcasts thinking, well, it's a shite appointment, but at least he'll have a go. At least we'll play 4-4-2 and we'll score some goals. It hasn't, hasn't, it, it's been, it's been worse, you know, stylistically than, than we ever thought possible. And now you've got, even if Bruce goes, You've got Graham Jones. Without a doubt, Graham Jones will get the job. And, and, and whatever people think about Jones's abilities as a coach, and people said Steve McLaren was a very good coach, by the way, and people said John Carver was a very good coach, he's had one job, and the fans of that team absolutely fucking hate him. <laughs> um, and he was he was sacked with you know with the similar kind of reaction to that we would would be when Bruce when Bruce goes. So even getting rid of Bruce, if it gets that bad this season, I can't even say a, a huge positive from that. So it's, it's really hard to find any kind of positive coming into the new season, apart from, like you say, football's back, we're going to match. Mark and Norman, you've done a couple of pods on this on our parent platform before about about the, the leaner times in the late 90s. But, you know, because I'm trying to think of when have Newcastle finished, we've just finished 13th and 12th, haven't won the Bruce. Try and compare that to, to similar finishes at recent times in my history. And I've got no idea if people went into 98, 99 and 99, 2000 with, with, with similar kind of, you know, expectations, but at least, you know, you know, Dalglish went out and bought Solano, Givoch came in. I'm sure he's turned up with that first game against Charlton at home thinking, Dietmar Hammond, you know, who are these lads type thing? We're going to be turning up, like you correctly said, Mark, we're going to be turning up um, against West Ham and it'll be fucking Isaac Hayden who was playing in 2016 in the Championship and probably John Joe Shelley. It's, it's, Fascinating this because you're bringing it all back. I mean, Norman mentioned there, I'll quickly mention 1990, 91. There was a huge boom in football because of Italia 90. Um, attendances increased everywhere around the country, but it didn't at Newcastle. It dropped and it started dropping. Two, two reasons. Um, obviously, the failure to get promoted, um, but also because, as Norman rightly says, we had no money. We had no money whatsoever. There was supposedly going to be a, a shares issue, and that was going to be uh, on the back of promotion. And it was going to make sure that we, you know, compete with the big boys, but um, but unfortunately that that that, that failed. The phase, uh, the shares issue failed, and I was even at a point where I was deciding to go and watch Whitley Bay in the FA Cup against Barrow instead of going to see James as part of watch us against Barnsley. You know that that's that's how uh, disinterested I, I became. But fast forward a couple of years, you mentioned um, you know the the, the late nineties on the Daglish and Hullet. I remember after the uh, the cup final. Everyone was devastated because, let's be honest, we're lined up not to get beat. Um, you know, pretty similar to when Bruce lined us up against Man City um, two seasons ago in the in the cup quarter final. But um, the following year for for me, Alex was more was more worrying because after the nineteen ninety nine cup final against uh, Man United, I think he just sensed that there was something seriously not not right with the dressing room. He, uh, Hullock was starting to play a lot of youngsters in Baharrell. Jamie McLean, um, fair enough. They might they might have earned a, a chance, but not not the expense of the likes of uh, Robert Lee. 
And um, you know that that's that summer of '99 when I when I, when you look at the players who came in, they were they were relatively unknowns. I could be wrong, but I didn't know any of them apart from probably Kieran Dyer. Um, we're brought we're brought in Marcelino, uh, Goma. Uh, we're brought in my mate Paul Robinson from Darlington. I used to go on the drink with Paul Robinson, and when he <laughs> when he was lining up against uh, Sunderland, um, you know the club he supports. He's a diehard Sunderland supporter, and he's from a it's it's a family who are diehards. You knew something was seriously wrong. So that summer of '99, Alex, to go back to your point. I think that was probably the end of uh, the boom. What Norma mentioned before, when Keegan came in in 1992, every summer you were excited. Even when Douglas got in the Champions League, yes, we'd lost uh, Keegan, but we're playing Champions League football. Um, a year later, as I said before, you know, lost lost the cup final against Arsenal pathetically, but you still had confidence in Douglas in a way. But as I say, to, to go into the new uh, millennium, let's say, that, that for me was a huge low point. Huge low point. Excellent point there, Mark. Um, and, and I completely agree with you. I think what was different for me during that period, now look, I, the cup finals definitely glossed over some pretty um, dire situations that were, that were happening, right? But at the same time, and I'm most certainly not... An advocate. I'm not advocating Freddie Shepard's um, governorship of the club here, but Shepard, what you did feel at the time, at the, what, what the club would do at the time was, if the manager wasn't performing, they'd get rid of them, right? They'd get rid of them, and they'd try and bring someone in, right? Ambition. It's ambition, right? So Dalglish, regardless how bad things got under him, that was an incredible appointment, an incredible appointment. This is a bloke who won the league with Liverpool, won the league with Blackburn a few seasons earlier. For me, I thought Keane leaving him and Dalglish coming in, we're going to have a shot at the title, yeah, because Dalglish will give her that kind of nasty edge that we might need that we possibly didn't have under Keegan. Um, Hullet, off the back of success at Chelsea, right? One of the greatest footballers, the greatest human football as well, as were Dalglish and Keegan, you know? These these were these are like superstar footballers as well, weren't they? That, that's the thing back in the day. I mean, these were worshipped by a lot of the fans who went in Newcastle's ground. Keegan and Dalglish would have been, you know, players that they grew up with. Rudd Hullet was a player that I remember from, from me, you know, childhood, the European Championships in 88, for example. He's the way he kind of looked distinctive with his um, dreadlocks and his massive tash. He was like a, a superstar. He looked like one. And he had that aura about him. So there was hope there in that sense. There was a buzz in that sense. But also, you always thought to yourself, well, you know what? Actually, if it guns bad, Shepard will give him a bullet. They'll just bullet him and they'll try and bring in another big name, right? And that's the thing. It's the ambition. So even when it got really bad, like, Dalglish Gans, Hullet comes in, Hullet Gans, Robson comes in. So it was like, well, actually, I think mean, Keegan went in and Dalglish came in. So look at those four, look at those four names. A huge man, right? Um, and then obviously, I probably should have realized the wheels were coming off ever so slightly behind the scenes at Newcastle when rather than Gar Newton appointing um someone like Louis Van Gaal, for example, who I think might have been linked with the job when Robson went, right? Um, the appointed Graham Souness. And Souness was like a very retrograde appointment and that should have kind of set alarm bells ringing, right? Um, but even then, Souness after 18 months, it was so bad. He's still been Souness, you know what I mean? He'd been Souness. And, and, you, and you look at it like this as well. They went out and bought Michael Owen. Terrible signing on reflection. But at the time, one of the biggest players in, in European football. I mean, this is a kid who won, you know, the um, World Player of the Year a few seasons earlier. It was, it was you know, the, the ambition still seemed to be, there still seemed to be a semblance of, well, actually, we want to push this club Forward, even though, as I say, behind the scenes, it was a financial catastrophe. Um, we didn't add the ins and outs of it to that extent. But then Ashley comes in and you have that little bit of hope. Oh, there's a billionaire owner coming in. There's a billionaire owner coming in. And then, bang, 2008, the whole Keegan situation kicks off. And I think ever since then, the life's been sucked out, kind of reignited. 
a couple of times, Benitez in particular. But um, as I say, that's the problem I've got now is that there the isn't a modicum, it seems to me, of ambition. So I get excited about the match in order to see me mates and have a big crack. And maybe you know, and again, I'll get a decent game of football. But do I have the kind of hope that Newcastle United will become a top eight club under Mike Ashley and with Steve Bruce in charge? Do I shake, man? All good stuff there, uh, and a, a little, a little kind of history of, of Newcastle United there, and you know, bringing us up to the Ashley era almost. And like you correctly say, and I think this this feeds into the wider point of the purpose of the club. If you did badly, if a manager did badly, if players did badly, if people at the club did badly, they tried to fix it. Right now, and I get frustrated sometimes about this because you know, you know, we're skinned supposedly. We're in the Premier League five seasons, but we're skinned. We've been, we've already, you know, we spent a lot of money on Joe Litton and Max Man, but you know, we're skinned. Ashley took thirty-four million pounds out of the club in summer twenty eighteen. We're skinned. Fulham spent twelve million pounds on the player in the championship, but we're skinned. And, and and I want to try and understand that. I don't want to be the typical football fan who who doesn't try and look at the bigger picture and just continue kick off all the time. And you think COVID pandemic, you think, you know, the club could be as much as, as £50 million down as a result. But the club don't want to come out and justify that. You know, if you're if you're if you're Norwich City now or you're Watford, or I mean Watford being linked with £20 million players, but whatever, if you're if you're a newly promoted club. You think, right, we're not going to be able to go out and spend 100 million quid, even though some clubs do come up and do that. And the fans understand. you got Steve Bruce saying, saying we're skint. He doesn't want to bullshit fans. Steve Bruce says we're skint. Why are we skint? Why will no one explain that? Why will no one come out? Why will Lee Charlie not speak to fucking Radio Newcastle or someone kind or someone, you know, someone who's going to give him what he wants in terms of being able to say what he wants? Why doesn't he speak to the Chronicle? Why doesn't he speak to the Supporters Trust? But they don't, they're not interested in justifying why we're shite. And I think that's the biggest issue. Because, like you correctly say, Mark, when we started that 99-2000 season, I mean, we'd still, we still signed Kieran Dyer. We still signed good players that summer, didn't we? Several players that summer. Not all turned out to be good for the club. We're going to this new season. And if Newcastle are 17th or 18th or bottom, or Newcastle don't win any of their first five games, and maybe they will, and I hope they will, but if they don't, who's to blame then? Is it the football club who spent no money? Is it the manager? Is it the players? Is it COVID? We're in a situation where I've got no idea who's going to be fit and who's not going to be fit. But how did Newcastle United once again find themselves? Martin Dubravka, St. Maximan, Callum Wilson, Almiron were four best players, you could argue, have hardly played in pre-season. I know Wilson's played a couple of games. How has that happened once again? It happens every year. And, and the club don't even want to try and justify what's going on. Why is our injury record so fucking bad? And it's not just a Bruce thing. It was a Steve McLaren thing. It was a John Carver thing. It was an Alan Pardew thing. The, you, these unanswered questions at the club just linger. And because the, because they become, they're never answered, people people insert their own answers. And there's that that feeling of distrust. And um, normally you want to make a point, but um, I was going to ask Mark really quickly, has there ever been as much distrust? Because you talked about selling Gascoigne, Waddle, and Beardsley, you know, and people were unhappy with the board then. But but right now, could, could you find me a single Newcastle fan? And I mean it, a single, a single genuine Newcastle fan who thinks these lads know what they're doing. Charlie and Ashley and Barnes, they'll see we're okay. Because I don't. No, not at all. Um, I think the, the lack of interest in the likes of your WhatsApp groups says it all. 
No one's talking about football anymore. No one's talking about Newcastle signings or exciting or planning away games. Villa away is always a good day out. Um, I was tempted, but when I actually thought about it, I thought, you know what? No, I've got a free weekend, no gig. Um, the missus is away, so I've got a free weekend. Do I really want to use it? Taking literally a day down to Villa and a day to recover off the booze. No. Um, quick point, if I may, regarding uh, relegations. You mentioned Ashley. We've had two relegations under Ashley. And the the first relegation under him in 08-09, it was a replica, in a sense, of 1988-89, Norman, because there was protests against the board all season. Alex, you mentioned uh, what sold Gascoigne, but Norman rightly said that was spent the money for a change. Willie McFall was backed. But after seven or eight games, he was he was sacked a week after beating Liverpool. Um, the, the the league runaway league champions from the previous season. We beat them at Anfield 2-1 and he was sacked the following week. And what, what followed was it was an embarrassing search for a new manager. No one wanted to touch it. Then we ended up getting James Smith. God bless his soul. He, 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 you know, but it looked an ambitious, if somewhat desperate, appointment because he, he was on the up. He, he took Oxford on the up from the third division to the top tier. He then took a, a good job at QBR and got them in a cup final and they finished fourth in the, uh, the previous season. Um, and he, 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 you know, he, he literally doubled his wage to come to Newcastle. And I quote, he said he was set up for life by the contract that he was offered. And it's it's typical Newcastle, though, even back then. It doesn't matter who the owner is. Typical Newcastle, they react too late or they just make these rash decisions and spend huge amounts of money on the wrong people or the, the wrong appointments. And if we fast forward at 8 09, we had, as I say, we had protests against Ashley all season. Tur- turmoil on and off the pitch. Didn't have a settled side. Four managers during the season. Um, the only one that you felt was acceptable was the last one under Rafa because it was it was total harmony. Yes, there was a couple of ungrateful supporters kicking off about not being tuned up after five minutes and things like that. And yes, we did scrape over the line and win the championship, but we're still harmony. The supporters were getting behind the side. Um, so it goes to show the support can be there if it's ran correctly. But answer, answer your question, Alex. I've uh, went on a little bit there. Answer your question. Who would we blame? Well, it, it starts at the top. And you mentioned before about protests. The protests has got to be about Mike Ashley, if there's going to be any. The, the club is just existent to exist, to quote Michael Martin. And um, the fact that we haven't signed a player for any money since a year ago, it's it's an absolute disgrace. And as I, as I said at the, the start of the podcast, we're relying on too many players who are injury-prone and we're relying on one player who we haven't even signed. Spot on. Absolutely spot on. A um, couple of things I want to say. Bruce, this season, I'm going to try my hardest not to level my criticisms and frustrations at the club towards Steve Bruce's management because ultimately what what I, I need to understand is that Bruce is a symptom. He's not the cause, right? That's the truth of the matter. Steve Bruce, we know his limitations as a football manager. We knew what his limitations were before he, he arrived. We've seen them since he started coaching, started managing the club, but he's here and he's not being here any money to spend. And eight of that squad is still from the champion, from the championship, right? We could, we could be in a position next season, feasibly, where eight players who started a game under Rafa on the championship could start a first team game when you ask the Premier League. Um, so Bruce, regardless of his lack of top class ability as a football manager, um, I think 
I think him just keeping the club up next season would be an, an achievement in itself. It, it really would be. Do I think that a better manager can get more of the players? Of course I do, but that's not the situation, right? Um, the other thing is, so so sorry, uh, my wider point is, is that this is this is purely down to years and years and years of Mike Ashley thinking he can just delegate the running of a Premier League football club to two blokes who've never run a football club in their entire life, right? That's the, that, that, that's the, the big problem there. Uh, the other thing is, what are we as a football club? Now, the thing is, I... Battling against relegation to me, we, like that's part and parcel, right? You guys, you know, we haven't won a football trophy in my lifetime other than the championship. But that hasn't happened. So, battling relegation, do I think, do I seriously think that we've got more of a right to be in the Premier League than someone like Norwich City? I didn't. We haven't, really. That's the truth. But what I would like to see is even if we were kind of, let's say, you yo and right, at least if the ambition was, you know, what we're going to do, actually, you mentioned, you mentioned injuries, Alex, right? We're going to spend big money on an academy. We're going to invest in an academy. We're going to try and bring young players through. We're going to keep investing in the local region. The team that you're going to see on the pitch is going to be players who've come through the academy. So a few seasons, you might be doing well in the Premier League. You might get relegated, but then you might come back up. There's an attachment between the fans and the club, right? Um, I'd, I'd be that, To me, that would be a kind of ambition. It would be, you know, well, actually, we're going to, this is going to be our thing. And it, or the flip side is, you know, you look at Aston Villa at the minute, they're spending absolutely loads of money on bringing good players, right? Who knows what the team of the academy, but we're neither. We're, we're neither of those things. And, and either, either kind of one would... would would satisfy me a little bit of ambition in the transfer market or a club that wants to develop young players. Like I, I look at Norwich City, I mentioned them a second ago, right? Norwich City are a yo-yo club, but at the minute they've got a manager and, and a they've got a, an identity that is basically all right. We know what we are, we know what we're going to do, and we're going to try and make it as entertaining as possible. We didn't even do that. We didn't. We didn't try and entertain. And I think just to finish off, going back to pre-seasons where your optimism isn't maybe as high. Our deal is his first full season in charge. We knew Mark, Mark will back this up. We knew the club was skinned. We didn't bring in any players. But we had like six or seven players from the youth team, from the academy coming through. And that gave you optimism. That gave you hope. That gave you kind of enthusiasm and spirit. And that's not even something we've got at the minute. So that's the frustrating thing is there is absolutely zero identity other than let's just see if we can survive in the Premier League. And if we finish 12th, this se- if we finish 12th one season, then we'll finish 12th the next season. Let's not buy any players because we finished 12th, so I'll read. That's, that's the limit, the ambition. Oh, we'll be all right. We finished 12th last season. You know, I go back to um, the two relegations, right, um, under Ashley, and I'm trying to, you know, remember feeling at this part of the season. And in, in 2008, there was a lot of uncertainty about Kevin Keegan. He had called out the club, essentially, on the last day against Everton the previous season when he said that they were further away from the top four or the top six than than had ever been in his time at the football club. And I think he was including when he was a player as well. When I'd, I'd correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, did he, did he play in the first division? I'm not sure if he did. So, you know, it's quite a bold statement for him to make. Um, you know, there was players being brought in, but but you still brought, you know, Fabrizio Colaccini was a tremendously exciting sign. So was Jonas Gutierrez, both full Argentine internationals. I remember going up to Old Trafford the first day of that season, really, really kind of not expecting of a result, but it wasn't like going to Old Trafford now. And Man United just won the Champions League. So they were a good team. I think they just won three titles off the off the spin as well. So but I went to that game thinking, well, we've got Keegan, we've got Obafemi Martins. Michael Owen was probably injured, but I think he might have played. We've got Owen Martins up front. We've got we've got we've got options here. Um and it all went horrifically wrong. But you can you can pinpoint that to the to the shambolic manager, you know, Dennis Wise managerial decisions. 15-16, I just had a quick look there. We played on the Sunday because Southampton played in the Europa League on the Thursday. 49,000 turned up and Southampton brought about 200. 
So you know, if you if you look at where we actually were then, even though a lot of fans had grave misgivings about Steve McLaren as a manager and about the fact we hadn't bought a recognised striker and the fact that we'd bought a 21 year old defender from who was talented but we couldn't defend and that that was our issue. Um, you know, there's 49,000 people still turned up. 49,000 Newcastle fans. Not be 49,000 Newcastle fans there against West Ham. <laughs> far far from it. So that makes me think that even when things got to their worst there was still more hope than there is right now. And that's a depressing thought for me. And I like to put that onto you two lads with the relegation that, that you saw back in, was it um, 88, 89? Was that the year? Um, I don't know who wants to take this one, but but I think actually having done podcasts with you before, listen to podcasts you've done, there was a little bit of a little bit of hope then as well, even though there shouldn't have been. I think um, going back to 88, I mean, you've got to remember... When I look at my mates now, and they've got kids who are 10, 11 year old, and they're going, Well, I've got to go to the game because the Baines, he's, he's tapped into it now. That's it. He's addicted. I was exactly the same back then. You would have been the same, Alex, when you were 10, 11. Norman, you would have been the same at my age back, back then. It, you didn't really get too involved with the politics or the the board, the, the financial statements. You didn't care. You, oh, 11 year old. Oh, got a great balance sheet us you know we're, we're brilliant <laughs> all you were bothered about was spending your pocket money or your paper round money on going to the match and it was affordable it was a couple of quid can 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 a pop uh from greg's and a pasty pack the crisps stand on the terraces that was your day it was yeah it was your life and going back to then in 1989 i, I joined the comprehensive school um and it was 50 50 in castle sunland and I'd never really mixed with Sunderland supporters before. So it was a, a fast coming of age. And then you were going to the match and you were hearing songs that you, which you were understanding what they were about. Some of them were violence. Some of them were racism. Some of them were, you know, damn right offensive stuff. But you went along with it because you thought that's what you were supposed to do as a, as a football fan. Obviously, you get that slapped out here in a couple of years, you know, when the big boys come on and go, what the hell are you singing that for? You, you kind of sing stuff like that. But that, that summer 89, no mentioned before, we got rid of some key players, proper stalwarts and Glenn Roder, God bless him. Davy McCreary was given a free transfer. That was criminal. It was absolute criminal. We sold Michael O'Neill, who two years earlier was you know destined for the, for the top. Um, and he, Jim Smith had literally ripped the whole team apart and the squad apart. But we signed to the likes of Mickey Quinn um, you know, for a near-record signing. Was saying Mark McGee from Celtic. Celtic had just won the double, you know, but up in Scotland. Um, you, you look at the, the, the Wayne Faraday from QPR. Jim Smith knew him. Wayne Faraday always used to tear us apart when he played for QPR. He was absolutely garbage for us. <laughs> but there was excitement because we were signing young players like Mark Stimson from Tottenham. We were signing uh, John Gallagher from, I think it was Falkirk Norman. He was a brilliant winger. And it, for, for, if it wasn't for injury, he could have been at Newcastle when Keegan. Took the took the side from you know to different levels, but back then you really didn't worry about it. You, you, you sort of just got on with it. You were excited about going to the games, um, even when you know I meant you, you put a great tweet out today about that. We we're talking about this um, this this sort of uncertainty about the season and dissatisfaction about what's lying ahead. And someone put a great oh night ninety one ninety two that was the lowest ever. Yes, but we're still. Excited about going to the season because, as Norman said, because of Aussie, because of the kids. You know, we had no money. We bought Fran's car from Nottingham Forest for a quarter of a million, and then that was it. 
or nothing at all. Rumour has it that Ozzy Ordiles had to uh, give the club the money to buy David Kelly. That that, that That's never been denied. Quarter of a million because Ozzy Ordiles needed a striker. They couldn't afford him. And, you know, we should thank Ozzy Ordiles to the day he goes because he signed a player that scored the goals to keep us up and then took up. Um, but, yeah, going back to the, the, the question, Alex, I think uh, no one may want to add, but I certainly didn't feel... Um, you know, dissatisfied or certainly wasn't turning us against going to games. Probably because I was too young to get involved and I just wanted to see Newcastle play football. I'd back that. In, uh, it's the enthusiasm when you're a kid, right? It's different, I think, to when, when you're an adult. And the, the other thing as well is that back then, it wasn't as all-consuming in the sense that, you you know, a 10, 11-year-old new might have Facebook, might have Twitter, might have whatever, TikTok, whatever it is they've got, Snapchat, you know? like it's, And it, it's just this... And the game's changed, and it is just—it's just constant, right? It is constant. The media exposure, the news. When I when I was eight, 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 nine, I found out I found out that we signed Mickey Quinn by the, from the Battle of Chronicle in the evening. I, I found, that's how I found out we signed Mickey Quinn. Um, you know, all of the kind of protracted uh, negotiation that goes on behind the scenes, all the kind of you know BBC gossip or that you read every day. New, you know, you're going to gossip, and you, you see you see what's going on. You didn't have that, like so. You, so I suppose. You, you weren't as, as kind of consumed, and, and all you all you had was the, the kind of thought of you know what you might have read in the Chronicle, what may be, but a lot of it you just you, you weren't. I, I suppose you weren't stressing as much about it because it wasn't. You weren't just consistently receiving news on it, read. And I was I was just really getting into it then. And eighty eight eighty nine was actually eighty nine eighty was my first season ticket when we got relegated. I remember feeling devastated when we lost to West Ham to get to get relegated to one the beat were in there. That's the game that sent me doing. I remember feeling devastated. But it didn't take too long to recover. I got a season ticket. I was enthusiastic about getting the match. Um, and again, a lot of that would be to do with the fact that I, that I was a kid. As I say, I think um, 08 or 09 relegation was very difficult to stomach because that should never have happened. That was that was 100% down to Mike Ashley. That was the Keegan debacle. It was bringing in Joe Kinnear and it was, a, it was an absolute disaster. And I thought that pre-season, I, I looked at the players that we had on massive money in the championship, and you looked at Chef Chef Wed, you looked at Leeds United, you looked at um oh would it Portsmouth it wouldn't have been by that point, would it? There was, I think they're still in the Premier League. But you can and you you thought, well, this could be it for us, this could be it. And the fact that Hewton wasn't even appointed permanent manager, if you remember he was appointed permanent manager three or four games in the season, right? So more you would it was after uh, Doncaster in October. When Probably when he won manager of the month a couple of times. You know, oh, we'll give him the job. Wasn't anyone else will take it. The whole share at the Barkle was a kind of rinse yeah. and repeat with Keegan, right? Which had happened not even a year earlier. Um, another club legend that they burned. So that preseason for me actually was yeah, a one way I was thinking different. we are going to sink and we're going to sink. But put it this way, I thought if we didn't get promoted, we're done. When we got when we got relegated under Benitez, the moment Benitez said he was staying, I knew it'd be all right. I knew it. 08 or 09 for me when we didn't, as I say, we didn't have a manager in. We kicked. Shearer got kicking, Keegan got a kick in, the whole court case happened. Um, that's when I thought we're done. Um, it didn't take long, obviously, in the championship to realise that we're a hell of a lot better than most of the sides there. So that kind of quickly disappeared. Whereas, as I say, this season, this season, it's like I, I'm struggling. I think I probably feel more like I, more like I did at the end of the 08 or 09 season. And um, I think if we get relegated this season, that feeling will quickly come back because I think, God, where do we head from here? Great points, mate, about that season. I think only 36,000 turned up for the first game there. And, and, and compare and contrast, and this, this is the thing about Newcastle fans and supporting this club, com, compare and contrast to Huddersfield Town at home. 
first game in 2016, which obviously were lost because it's us. But 52,000. You, you, this is the thing about Newcastle in the Championship. For, for some Saturday 3 p.m.s, you just could not get a ticket. I'd, I'd made to win season ticket holders, and you always say, oh, I'll get your ticket on Twitter, or someone will have one. You just couldn't get a ticket. You just couldn't get one. The, the place was rammed. It was packed out. Um, you know, that summer inspired us to start Gallagher Flags. Some ordinary fans come together to try and, you know, make the visuals on, on a match day a little bit better. None of that happens now. The, the flag lads don't go to the match anymore, or, or many of them, they, they, they stopped doing it. It's just it's just completely chalk and cheese. So it almost doesn't matter. I think what, what I'm getting, lads, I don't know if you agree, it almost doesn't matter what division in. It doesn't really matter what players you've got. It's about where the club wants to be and wants to be going. And you've just mentioned there the relegations in, in, the, eight, in the late 80s there. The, the club clearly was trying to fix the wrong of, of the previous season. What, 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 you know, like you say, you have to say, Bruce, at the end of last season, 12th shouldn't be seen as an achievement, but it is an achievement. I think that Newcastle United as a whole view that as a great season. So why would you try and fix? Why would you fix what's not, what not, what isn't broken? That's how they see it. Yet they look at the 10,000, 12,000, maybe 15,000 empty seats some weeks. And they'll not say things are broken if we're 15th in the league, six points clear of the drop. That's kind of the worst feeling for me. We'll see. We'll, we'll be. We'll be. We'll beat West Ham three 0 We'll be talking about Europe, man. That's the way it goes. <laughs> Mark, were you going to say something? No, just you know, we're talking about protests and things like that. I mean, I'm a firm believer that Newcastle United fans. Well, you 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 know, everyone knows Newcastle fans will never ever ever tell each other what to do. It's a matter of fact, um, and. For for the want to try and good luck to anyone who does want to protest. Um, but ultimately, supporters are now voting with the feet. Um, two years ago, ten thousand walked away, um, and they were replaced by free tickets. And there could have been anyone. Let's be honest, there could have been anyone walking through that door, and they don't care. Um, we're touching on the start of the the, the podcast. Twenty two thousand estimated on the price freeze. You know, and they're still having this takeover go on in the background. There's going to be a day when that is 100% confirmed as off. And at the end of the day, if we're in a relegation battle and the takeover is 100% off, people are really going to have a look at themselves and go, right, do I really want to go back down for a third season of the championship? Do I really want to um, watch Steve Bruce? Because let's be honest, he's not going to be sacked. The people will see him as the, the man to take we're back up. And um, because we're not building for a five-year project, we're building year... Well, we're building per season, if if you want to call it that, and um, it's 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 sad because I would never say I'm looking forward to the football. I'm just really looking forward to going back and seeing the legs of yourselves, as I said at the start of the podcast, and just seeing your mates singing a few songs. Um, I hope I just don't have an argument with everyone for singing. I have a sweet Caroline and making a Newcastle version of it. Or um, don't take me home because then of the day we might want to be taken home after after getting beat two now. <laughs> Yeah, We've got just, some... Um, sorry, Norman. Just uh, what you're saying there, Mark, we're rebuilding, we're not even rebuilding, you know, what we're like, um, we're just painting over the damp before the start of winter, every time, you know, that that's it, like, instead of, like, instead of taking it apart and restructuring it and building the whole thing back up and, and trying to make it better, we're just painting all the cracks, you're painting all the damp, and, it, and it's going it's to come back and bite away again, because it's happened under my right there again, we, we mentioned this on quite a few State of Play podcasts, um, Alex, it, it's... What Mike Ashley's time at the club tells you, mistakes are repeated, just repeats mistakes. So we're finished. Because this is the thing, at the minute, we're finished 10th on the Benitez, 13th on the Benitez, 13th on the Bruce, 
12 Thunder, Bruce Reid. We're now a mid-table team. I'm like, actually, that's it. Why do I need to invest? We've finished mid-table four seasons. I've barely put a penny in. And that's the and that's what's probably going to happen. And that's clearly what's happening this preseason. So that's the concern. So as I say, yes. It, you know, actually, here's another one for you. I never expected we to be in a relegation battle um, and, and really, like, really fearful that we're going to get relegated. We had when we got relegated. I didn't think at the start of the 2008 we're going to get relegated. Um, I didn't think the two seasons on a Rafa would get relegated. Under Bruce, I was convinced by the second season we were. The first season, I thought, would be out for a season. This season, th- this is this is this is one of the probably the only probably the second preseason in my lifetime as a fan where I've actually expected we to get relegated. And I think that's the difference. I've never I've, I've either been optimistic before or I've been secure in the knowledge of BRE. This time, I genuinely feel we're going to get relegated. So that, that's why I'm struggling with any form of optimism. Just to, to jump in there, if you don't mind, um, this is where I think Steve Bruce maybe cut some slack because. If you if you look at the bigger picture here, Mike Ashley has not backed them for a year. He's been relying on a takeover, and then we'd, we wouldn't know what what the next step was going to be. Steve Bruce wouldn't know whether he's going to be in a job or not. And don't get us wrong, I'll still say it, I don't want him there. I'd rather we just cut the losses and um, and got someone in. Who who that would be? Who would take it? That's open for debate. But ultimately, I think supporters are now wising up. You know how can you? Have a go at Steve Bruce for having for, for it's deliberate neglect from the uh, from the owner. This isn't giving them a man an opportunity to at least maintain where he left for last season. And I don't take pity on him because he's very fortunate to have the job. But I had a, a chat with um, Luke Edwards a couple of weeks ago, and I don't mind sharing this because ultimately used to on the podcast for me and him had a heated conversation. But we both agreed for the first time, um, and I won't repeat the full conversation, but I actually said to him, I can't criticise him. I can criticise him for playing players out of position or not picking my strongest team available or playing with such mediocrity tactics, mediocre tactics, should I say. But I can't blame him sitting here right now going at the start of this season for what's going to come. I can only blame Mike Ashley because of his neglect. He's hanging the man out to dry. And um, this is why I mentioned 10 minutes or so ago, any protest has got to be against the owner. I agree. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned there, Mark, we did put on the True Faith Twitter, which is at TFNUFC. You know, we asked the question that we've been talking about on this podcast. We've got some great responses. Uh, Jonathan B said, there have been worse times than this. Some of the later McKee years were woeful. What makes this feel worse is it doesn't have to be this way. And I think that's a really good way of putting it. All of the things, many of the things we've discussed are done by choice. You know, the club remains silent by choice. The club doesn't sign players by choice. So that was a really, really good way to put it. Um, some other really good comments, you know, Dean Woods said anger, which he used to get, you know, previous seasons has just been replaced by apathy. And that, that's a worse feeling almost, isn't it? If you're angry about something, you care about it. There are too many Newcastle fans who've just, who've just given up, essentially. Anger um, is an energy. Anger is an energy. So if anyone if anyone listened to this podcast can get the um, the musical quote I've just used there, but it's uh, it's spot on. Be good, be good to hear people know who I'm talking about. Yeah, um, and uh, I got a I got a comment there from Gumbo who said McKeague's era wasn't great, but at least he wasn't asset stripping the club, which is another really good uh, really good point to make about Ashley's sale of the land at Strawberry Place to to enrich himself. Um, 
there were a couple of lads. I think Stephen Trotter said uh, taking hammerings at um, Wolves, South End, and other places like that. If you're standing in the away in there, that probably felt like it was the worst time ever, considering we haven't kicked a ball yet this season. But things got better from there, didn't they, Mark? Absolutely. And I've seen that tweet, and it, you reminded me of some of them results. But I think the, the point being was, again, you know, we went into that, that new year in uh, 1992. And it was only probably about two or three weeks into it when uh, when we lost against Southend. You know, Southend United had just been promoted two years in a row and they beat us. It was all fallen out. Happy New Year, you know what I mean? And uh, we got beat at Oxford 5-2. We threw away a three-goal lead against Charlton Norman. Got beat 4-3. Alan Pardew scored the winner. Um, you know, then we got beat off Oxford 5-2. We got knocked out of the cup on penalties at Bournemouth, who were then a third division side. That was only when the, the club reacted. And I was still shocked when I went to school um, sorry, when, when the lad come back from his dinner and come into our cl- history class and says, oh, lads, uh, Ozzy Odea's been sacked, Kevin King's a new manager. I was like, eh? I was I was quite disappointed because everyone still had faith in our dealers. The, 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 the protest or the anger was against the board. And ultimately, our dealers, you know, because he tried to do something, because he put faith in the kids, and let's be honest, he, he put the foundations for a lot of them kids for Kevin Keegan to take it forward. He, the fans never turned. They never turned on him. Never turned on the players. It was always against the board. Um, to go back to the point about McKeague, I mean, Gordon McKeague's problem was, he, as, an, as an owner, he never put his own hand, his own, he didn't put his hand in his own pocket. Not many clubs did that back then. They spent the money that they earned. But that's why we never really competed. That's why we had to sell the assets and we did asset stripping, uh, stripping away by selling my prime assets, as I said before, Gascoigne, um, etc. And we didn't replace them with the same quality. We took chances on that. And they always say that Peter Biazzi was sold to build the new West End, which had to be built because of the uh, the Bradford fire three years earlier. So, you know, McKee did asset stripping away, but he also didn't spend any money. It's deja vu. We're sitting here 30 odd years later. It's it's deja vu. It's exactly the same. But the thing is now, we're older, we're wiser. Um, and a lot of people are now making that decision, do I really need this in my life? And as I said before, January is massive for the football club. It's absolutely massive. This could be a relegation season with possibly 15 to 20,000 season ticket holders in the championship. We've recovered twice before because the fans stuck with them. Um, I can't see it a third time. Spot on, Mark. I just, I just wanted to make um, a, a quick last point on, I guess, the difference between then under McKeegan now and actually that this is. I think this is another element that increases the fear now compared to back then. Is that you know you look look at Sunderland, right? Look at where they are. As I say, look what happened to Sheffield. Look what happened to Leeds United. Look what happened to Portsmouth. Like back then, because the the sums of money were nowhere near what they are now, that wasn't a fear. That wasn't something that even entered your head. You know, you never thought, oh, we get relegated, we could go into administration, it could be we could tumble doing the leagues. I mean, Wolverhampton Wanderers did it in the eighties, right? They went from the top flight to the bottom division in four consecutive seasons. Went doing, they came back up within six seasons, six seasons well to the championship in any ways, and that was something that happened, right? New what my fear is is that under the, the way Ashley runs the club is that we get relegated and we don't bounce back this time and then we get into the situation where financially the club is, is absolutely ruined. So I think that you, you have that kind of layered on top of the fact that we've got no ambition. It's the it's the fear of 
it kind of it kind of gone on like this, and he kind of keep getting away with it. Reed, he kind of keep getting away with it. I think that's the that's the fear. Yeah, well said, mate. And I think I'm gonna finish the podcast. There's been some great points, but a lad called Chris Griever on Twitter made uh, some excellent points. He said. It depends how you determine worst. We've certainly had worse squads, worse league possessions, worse infrastructure, and possibly worse owners, but the future outlook is the worst that I can recall it. Previous owners have come and gone with hope that will eventually be an improvement. Ashley's been here 14 years now, and there is or there doesn't seem to be any hope, and that won't change anytime soon. I think that is nail on the head. And you know the worst thing about it, lads? When I look back and I was looking at what previous relegations today, and I'll not go back to the relegation of 33-34 because the world was a mad place back then. There's all sorts going on. Um, but you look at the post-war period, I think Newcastle went down in the early 60s after the success of the 50s, but within a decade they were competing at the top end of the first division and were winning the European trophy. In the 70s there was cup finals, there was Malcolm McDonald's, and then ultimately there was relegation in, in four really bad seasons until Kevin Keegan arrived. Keegan arrives, things get much better, and we'll have a few bad years again at the end of the 80s. The bad periods are only lasting five years, max, aren't there? And Ashley's been here 14 years, and there's been one, one positive season in that whole period, in the Premier League anyway. So I think I think in terms of fans, and, and particularly for people like yourselves who, who, who were around for those bad times in the late 80s, very, very early 90s, you know, you only kind of had to suffer it for a season, season and a half type thing. Ashley's been here 14 years, and he could be. Why would he not be here another 14 years? People say he's trying to sell the club. He's been trying to sell the club for 14 years, or, 30, or 12 or 13 years at least. So I think that's the that's the worst part of it. And, uh, you know, the whole takeover saga, dreaming that you just wake up one day and the club will be sold, has been proven to be a mirage, hasn't it? It seems very unlikely that's going to happen. And and someone else, I'm, I'm sorry I don't have this person's name, made a really good point that when he was going in the late 70s and it was shite, there wasn't the coverage. So you you would you would turn up the first game of the season and hope you were hope you were all right. Whereas now we're having conversations like this, fans are having conversations like this. You know, you, you get to see what other clubs are doing a lot more, whereas you, you, you couldn't do that then. Um, that possibly makes it worse, but that's just modern life and, and modern football. Uh, final point from you, Mark. Yeah, you, you mentioned um, that great tweet um, regarding there's no hope, and it, it really feels that way. And I know you mentioned uh, the video I put up with the, the fan footage between '74 and '93, and it's 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 quite. I was quite moved to be honest because it's the 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 feedback I've got's been uh, absolutely tremendous on social media. But it's the personal text messages I'm getting from people who have some I haven't even met. I've spoken to them in regards to different things, and it was really moving. People telling me that they were crying about watching that and how Newcastle used to be, and they were like, I absolutely love it, and I'm watching it over and over again. Good friend of mine, Stephen Hall, he um, texted us, and he went on Saturday, and he says, look, I know you've got a gig. I've just watched that video, mate. I've made the kids watch it. It's, it's, it's on my telly on you. I just keep on watching it. And he texts us the next day and he says, I can't stop watching this video and how we used to be as a fan base. And the lads hit the nail on the head. It used to be worse. We've watched worse football, worse sides, etc. But the fans were always galvanised. You, you, you backed the team no matter what. You sang your heart out. I think once that's gone, 
and it's it's slowly getting that way that people just turn up just to go ah sorry and they're, they're back in the pub before you know it but once that's gone lads and listeners what else have you actually got and because you can go for pints with your mates and go and watch your band you can go to your local and do that you can travel to london and go and see normans and have a weekend in london instead of norman coming to watch newcastle it's it's very worrying and um the lack of hope it's 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 getting bigger and bigger by each year and Ashley. Well said, mate. I think we'll we'll call time there on this podcast. My thanks to you two lads. If you like the stuff you've heard, we'll do lots more of it on our Patreon platform, which is five pounds fifty a month for lots more Newcastle United content. We're revving up for the new season. We've got lots planned. Uh, Norman and Mark hopefully will be having lots of conversations with Keith Gillespie, who gives us the pro view on Newcastle United, and he doesn't he doesn't hold back just Keith quite a lot. So. Join us on that. We'll be back next week on the free podcast. I think we've got a, a couple of podcasts next week uh, on this platform. We'll have a full season preview, of course. Um, and we also might be speaking to a local independent football team about their attempted rise through the league. So thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back with you all very soon. Cheers. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.